just want you to be in tune. So we're going we're gonna to go over this today. And I just, of course, want to acknowledge the reality of the Breonna Taylor dynamic. People are thinking about that. And there are issues with respect to that. We're going to address some of those things today and how we respond to that. There are people hurt. There are people uh, frustrated uh, in, in so many different directions. And we want to God hears the cry of people who are oppressed. God hears the cry of people who are oppressed. He's not deaf. And all you got to do is look at Exodus. And the Bible says he heard the cry of the people. And if people won't hear it, God will hear it. And he's going to send deliverance. I'm telling you, he's going to send deliverance to people who are oppressed. Don't mess with God's people. That's all I want to say. Don't mess with God's people. Don't mess with poor people. Don't oppress people because God takes it personally. We're going to get into that today. You ready? All right. We're just going to review just a little bit, just a little bit. We said last week that judgment begins at the house of God. Folks, if judgment's going to happen, it got to start with the church. The church has to lead by example. We said 1 Peter 4, 17, it says, for it is time for judgment to begin at the house of God. And if it begins with us, what will be, I'll be the outcome of those who do not obey the gospel of God? So if you're crying out, man, the, 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 the government needs to change. Man, the police need to change. You know what? The church needs to change. And if it starts with us, it will trickle down to everybody else. We have to look ourselves in the mirror and we have to say, are we being just? And if we do that, then God can hold other people accountable. Just like I said last week on the San Antonio Spurs, that Greg Popovich, when, when Tim Duncan was playing, he was Tim Duncan was the star player and Tim Duncan got the most heat. Why? Because Greg Popovich says, if I can criticize my star player, I can criticize the folks on the bench. And that's God's posture with respect to the world. Let's continue. Just review right now. Just review, right? We must pursue justice out of love and not anger. There's a grace to resist evil, but it begins by submitting to good. And so there's a resisting justice is godly. We're going to talk about today. Crying out against injustice is godly. Calling wicked people wicked is godly, right? But it's the posture we come from in doing that. It must be out of love. We also said that our love for God is reflected in our fear of him, right? Fear of him, the fear of God. Fear of God is to hate evil. If you fear God, you hate evil, not people. That is the distinction we made last week. We hate evil, but not people. We don't take it personal, though we may feel like it. Now, look, we have human emotions. Nobody's saying you can't have real emotions. We feel people feel fear. They feel anger, what have you. The issue is we're going to talk about it, exalting those emotions against the knowledge of God. That's the issue. But we'll talk about that. Let's continue here. So 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 we said in Proverbs 8, 13, it says the fear of the Lord is hatred of evil, pride and arrogance and the way of evil and perverted speech. I hate. So if you fear the Lord, you just hate evil, period. Right. But check it out. Hating evil means that I hate the evil in me as much as I hate the evil in others. That's why it begins with the church. That's why it begins with the church, because we start with our own evils. We start with our own wickedness and then move out from there. Because if we set the, if we aren't hypocrites, then it makes it easier for other folks not to be hypocrites. Let's continue. The evil in me can manifest as toxic emotions rooted in resentment about other people's evil. This is tricky. This is tricky. I've been there. 
I don't have just been there. I'm going to have more opportunities to get there in terms of people offending me. Jesus said offenses come. You know what? Because folks get on your nerves. Folks get on your nerves and there's opportunities to get into resentment about what they did. But the Bible says because we're Christians, even though we might have a natural human reaction, that's just being human. We don't elevate it to the next level and make that and, and elevate that against the truth or the way we act in Christ. Colossians 3, 8 through 11 says this. But now you must put them all away. What are we pulling away? Anger, wrath, malice, slander and obscene talk from your mouth. These are Christian things that we have to do now. That doesn't mean that God has forgotten about the offense. See, God is on your side because the scripture says we I don't know if I'm going to read it here, but we said it last week. When your ways please the Lord, he makes even your enemies to be at peace with you. He coming back around. Just wait. He coming. The Bible says don't fret because of evildoers and those who prosper in the evil way. Don't don't worry about them because one day they day is coming. You're going to look and you won't be able to find them. Why? Because they stuck on evil. And God remembers it, but you got to let God handle it. Let's continue because I'm still reviewing. I'm still, we're going to get into the good stuff. We're going to get there. All right, here we go. Right? So it says the highest, see, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Our motivation must be love at all times, no matter what happens. The highest motivation, love, drives us to the highest good, justice, which compels us to live the highest life, which is righteousness. Our motivation for justice should be love, but in the way of seeking justice, we got to live right. It should trans our pursuit of justice should transform us personally, which, which is what I believe happened with Dr. Martin Luther King. He was pursuing justice out of love, and he said, if that's the case, I got to love my enemies. If I'm really about justice, then justice has to affect me, and I got to love my enemies. But if you listen to King, he was loving his enemies and he was calling people out. You heard the I have a dream speech. We always quote the end of it. But he's calling people out. He's calling out governors. He's calling out a racist laws. He's doing it all. You can still call out wickedness. Just do it in love. Justice and righteousness are two sides of the same coin. Justice is outward facing and righteousness is inward facing. Righteousness is to be in right standing with God's law. Living righteously is the first step toward justice. Living righteously is the first step toward justice, which is why I was so emphatic last week. Because that is step number one. Resisting evil is step number two. Resistance to evil begins with submission to good. And this is a hard word because we don't like to submit in America. We like to do our own thing. That's the history of our country. We started off saying, King George, you ain't the boss of me. That's our country. You're not the boss of me. That's the spirit of America. Independence, rebellion against authority. Give me my rights. We don't like submission. But the reality is resistance to evil begins with submission to good. And you know why? Because evil is supernatural and human goodness is no match for it. This is why people get tired fighting injustice. This is why there's no grace attached to it. They're doing it in their own power. They say, well, I'm going to just make it happen. Well, you're fighting the devil who was supernatural and will outwit you every time. You need a supernatural power to respond to him. The Bible says grace is available for that. 
This is because human goodness is not actually good. Romans 3 and 10 says, as it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. Only God is good. James 4, 6 through 7. I'm just repeating what I said. But he gives more grace, therefore it says. He gives more grace, therefore it says. He gives more grace. He gives more grace. There's more grace available. Why? God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Let me tell you something. This is cold. This is, it's real cold, but some people don't get the outcomes they want because God is resisting them. Why? Full of pride. You don't want to be fighting against God because you're full of pride. But you want grace? You got to be humble. Seven, he says, submit yourselves, therefore. So it follows, right? Don't be prideful, be humble. Therefore, submit to God, then resist the devil, and he'll flee. I'm convinced there are demonic forces behind injustice, and they have to be addressed. Submission to good is submission to God. So here's the trick. We not only submit to God directly, but also indirectly through people and institutions to whom God has delegated authority. This is the hard part. Romans 13, 1, it says this, let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Now, we ended last week pretty much on this idea, but we're going we're gonna to talk about that because there's some nuances there that have to be discussed. We talked about the million-dollar question. Resistance to authority is ungodly, yes, but so is the abuse of power. So here's the question. How do you resist abuse while honoring authority? We're going to get into it today. Principle number one. Principle number one. The spirit of the law is greater than the letter of the law. I'm going to say it again. The spirit of the law is greater than the letter of the law. What do I mean by the, le- the, the spirit of the law? It's the intent of the law. It's the intent of the law. See, the intent of the law is not so a young woman is shot and killed in her apartment. That's not the intent. We got to move to the intent, not the letter. It's people walking around looking at, well, you know, you know, this is the procedure and policy. We're looking at, wait, 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 wait. You're so caught up in the logistics, you're missing the spirit of what the law is supposed to do. Innocent people are not supposed to die. That's not the intent. But let me tell, take you to Scripture. 2 Corinthians 3, 3 through 5, it says this. And you show that you are a letter from Christ delivered by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living, uh, living God. Not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. He's making this distinction that there's a letter written, and it's not with ink. It's by the Spirit. Verse 4, such is the confidence that we have through Christ toward God. Not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything as coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God. And if you continue reading in that scripture, what it says essentially is that the, 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 the letter of the law kills, but the Spirit gives life. The letter of the law kills. People have literally died because people are following the letter of the law, but not the spirit of the law. For example, here we go. The spirit of the law has to do with the intent of the law, which we talked about. For example, here we go. Authority is also subject to authority. 
People quote Romans 13 and say, well, you just have to submit. Sorry. Sorry, black folks. Just do what the police officers say. Well, yes, we need to honor authority. But guess what? Police officers are subject to authority, too. They're subject to authority. The police officers work for the state and the state works for the people. So the people are indirectly your boss. And if we vote and change the laws, you might not have a job. Now, I don't believe in defunding the police and not having police officers, but the people have a right to do it if they won't. So quit acting like you're not subject to scrutiny. We are. Why aren't you? So people, and it's in our Bill of Rights. We have a right to critique the government without people throwing shade at us. If you don't like something in America, you can speak out. That's in the law. Quit acting like we don't. You can critique us. We can critique you. Here's the other thing. <laughs> Woo, okay, here we go. Some people quote the right scripture, but in the wrong spirit. You've heard people quote the same scripture I quote, Romans 13. Well, y'all just need to submit, but it's the wrong spirit. It's the wrong spirit. What do I mean? For example, some people quote scripture and laws with the spirit of slave mastery. A spirit of slave mastery. How you, we talk all the time about black people having a spirit of slavery. You just, you just got that slave mindset. Why are you acting like that? You just have that slave mindset. Well, how, how can you have a slave? How, can, how is it possible to have a slave mindset and nobody has a slave mastery mindset? They go together, don't they? How, how, why is it only black people who've inherited the legacy of slave thinking, but no white people have inherited the legacy of slave mastery thinking? You're seeing it? Yes. But your body language, your tone, your presence, your energy is, you better submit to me. It, 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 it resonates with that slave mastery spirit. And you got to deal with that. You got to deal with that. Right scripture, yes, you biblical, but wrong spirit. What did we say? The letter kills. You're going by the letter of the law, but you don't have the spirit of God in you when you say it. Let's continue. No scripture, no principle of scripture is isolated from all the other principles of scripture. For example, the scripture commands us to submit to authority, not to abuse. Yeah, children ought to honor their parents, but if, if, if the parents are physically abusing them, uh, sorry, the state is coming in to take your kids. It, abuse changes the context. You can't just say the law is the law because no set of laws represents justice fully. You cannot write a law for every situation. You just can't. Authority figures, you have to give them discretion. Every authority figure has some level of discretion. When a police officer goes to a scene, they can make their certain discretionary things they have. You read the situation. You look at the human dynamics involved. And what police officers, if they're going into black communities, I think, should be educated on the history of law enforcement and black folks. Because it goes all the way back to colonial America. And there's never been a time in America where that relationship has been good. So to go in there thinking, I'm going to just, you know, this is just like Orange County. I'm going to do the same. No, 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 no. 
There's a history there. And if you're not aware of the human dynamics, you're just following the letter of the law. Now, that's not every police officer, but certainly in some of these instances where it got tense, there were human dynamics you didn't read well. You cannot write a law for every situation because the spirit, listen, listen the spirit of justice is love. If, if, if you, we would not have enough room to write every law, right? So what you do is, look, for every scenario in which there is no explicit law, do what love would do. Because that's the spirit of the law. The spirit of justice is love. Justice should be motivated by love, not trying to beat people down and just you just want to kick people. And you, I, you know, why did you commit this crime? I'm, I'm, I'm kicking you for this and I'm kicking you for that. And I'm tired of you, you know, uh, 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 complaining about the police and I'm, you know, all that kind of stuff. Every police officer doesn't do that, do that. But some people do because they human beings just like us and they get angry and they buttons get pressed. And, and they want to put an extra lick in. We saw the NBA finals yesterday. We saw the NBA and people, you know, Dwight Howard, you know, he was, the, he was, he was messing with, jo- with Joker. Joker. And, and, and sometimes you foul him, but sometimes you get a little extra. get a little extra hit in there, you know, because you just want to send a message. Sometimes you're not just doing your job. You're sending a message that's not godly. That's not godly. Be objective. Do your job. Don't go beyond that. It's not your job to take vengeance on people personal vengeance. You uphold the law and let God, well, well, what if that criminal gets away? Then let, trust the Lord and let God deal with it. Don't take it personal. Do your job. Be professional. If you, if you love, you are automatically fulfilling the law. Romans 13, 10, it says, love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is fulfilling is the fulfilling of the law. Let's continue. Scripture must be evaluated in context. This is going back to the spirit of the law versus the letter of the law. Context refers not only to the text of Scripture, but also to the application of Scripture. What is the human dynamic going involved involved here? And here's the issue. This goes right back to Breonna Taylor. There are laws, politics, and procedures that are objective on paper but not equitable in practice. Objective on paper, but not equitable in practice. And this is what I mean by this. I remember when I was, was, the last time I was on jury duty, we we were looking at a case. In this particular instance, there was a man who was gay, and he was suing a company because he felt they fired him because he was gay, right? It's illegal. And the trick is the owner of the company is also gay. And they say, we didn't fire you because you were gay. You, you know, you, 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 you just didn't do your job, right? So we're looking at the case and, you know, the, the, the people come in. And when I, my first experience of it is like, this looks shady. They, 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 they doing something. They, they, they're covering something up. The company's covering something. That's what I'm thinking, right? There's people who didn't, the HR look all shady, everything, right? And so I go in. But, but the problem is when you're a juror, there's only certain evidence you can consider. Like you can't consider the opening statements, the closing statements. The judge says, okay, take this off your plate. This evidence, this stuff here, you can't count. You can only look at this and speak on that. Okay. And so, you know, it looks shady, but then when it came down to it, there wasn't enough evidence to show that he had been discriminated against, even though I'm looking at it like, this don't pass a smell test. I saw that owner come up there. He don't, mm-mm. 
mm -mm, this, this young man has a point. But the evidence wasn't there, right? And so we, were, we then went to, because listen, you don't want somebody convicting you because they just, they just don't like the way you look. <laughs> you want them to base it on evidence. I have to base it on evidence, even though I felt he was innocent in my gut. So, you know, we, we, we vote in favor of the company, right? And then the lawyers come out and they ask us, you know, what, you know, what, what, what could we have done better? And then I asked the lawyer, I said, well, why didn't you have the HR person subpoena them in the schedule? He said, look, this young man only makes X amount of money. He could not afford to pay me to subpoena all those people. The, company, the, the, the company's money just went longer. So on paper, objective. In practice, poor people should not get a harder time in court just because they're poor. That's not right. So the person with the most money gets the most justice. That's not right. But on paper, you'll say, we had a trial. Just like Breonna Taylor, they'll say, we had a trial. We did this. We did that. But you're not looking at all the human dynamics involved. Let's continue. So, so, so here's what I mean, right? So look at Ephesians 6, 1 through 4. It says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. But look at verse 4. It says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Some people just focus on children. You just got to obey. You just got to do what I say. But what is the authority figure doing to provoke them? Folks, we got to recognize Folks are not just marching and protesting and uh, doing all that kind of stuff in a vacuum. They've been provoked by authority figures who have created no trust with them. I'm going to tell you something, folks. Nothing moves faster than the speed of trust. That's the name of a book by Stephen Covey. It's called Speed of Trust. That's where I got it from. Nothing moves faster than the speed of trust. You can, I don't care what programs you put in there. If we don't trust each other, we'll just go to work together and we'll shop together and we'll say hello and all that kind of stuff. But I don't trust you, though. Because, because African-Americans are saying, government, what have you done to actively build trust with me? Actively. I'm not talking about charity. I'm not talking about programs. I don't build trust. That's just like you doing what you got to do. What are you doing to actively build trust with me? You know, when a spouse has been unfaithful to their spouse and then they agree to stay married, that ain't it. The spouse who's been offended is thinking, what are you doing to actively build trust with me? You can't just say sorry. We can't just have dinner together. You got you to gotta go in. And I, to, for me to trust you again? And what black people are saying, we keep taking it to the system. And how in the world does this outcome happen after we see what we saw, no trust. It's no trust. That doesn't happen overnight, especially when the things keep happening. <laughs> it just keep happening. And it's not just police officers, folks. It's security guards. It is people, random people who somehow, I guess they feel like they're deputized when they see you. And, you know, calling the police. I've been there. I walked in elevators in a Full suit, people grabbing their purse, followed in a retail store. You, you, you everything okay, sir? Yeah, I'm okay. I'm all right. 
asking me to stop, you know, doing this or doing that. I, we, we all, like, no, I shouldn't say we all. Some people say they haven't. That's okay. I'll speak for a lot of people, though. I, I'm, not, I'm not on an island by myself when I say this. When you go to places, especially, I, I'm going to say certain places, Orange County's one of them, folks. That's just the facts. Walk down the street with 10 of your black friends in Orange County. In Orange County. And see what happens. Minding your own business. I can clear a room, folks. It's happened to Marcy, and I, I usually don't pay attention that much because I'm hungry. But when I go sometimes to Orange County, we sit in there, we go, we get our table, and all of a sudden, it's just like, there's no people. They, they just, where they go? I'm not paying attention, but she is. She looking, she like, see? That's not right. In any case, people get provoked. It's not just the joy. That's just the highlights. That's just... For, for African-Americans, all kinds of, there's all kinds of things that don't end in death that are feeding the frustration. They're not on TV. They just happen for some people every day. Principle number two. Don't confuse righteous anger. Don't confuse righteous hate with personal anger. Some people are like, well, why are black people so angry? All of it is not excessive anger. Some of it is just the hatred of evil. It's just wrong. And I got to say something about it. Proverbs 24, 24 through 25. What does it say? Whoever says to the wicked, you are right. Will be cursed by peoples. If you take wicked people and call them right. The people will curse you. That said, abhorred by nations, but check it out. But those who rebuke the wicked will have delight. And a good blessing will come upon them. It's you are blessed if you rebuke the wicked. But like I said, you got to rebuke them in the right spirit, not in personal anger. But what happens is every time someone says something about injustice, they just say, well, black folks are too emotional. They're too sensitive. No, we're just godly and wrong is wrong and nobody's said anything about it. So somebody has to. So I'm going to say something about it. That's what's happening. So discern that. So here, check it out. Rebuking the wicked is good, is a good and godly thing to do. Rebuking something you do. Rebuking is something you do with your mouth. You got to speak up. And the rebuke has no power if it is not spoken or heard. That's why people are talking. They marching and they talking because somebody got to say something. Isaiah 520, it says, woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, but that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that, but that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. That's what happened with these with these cases. Yes, you had due process of law. Technically, technically. But everybody knows that's not right. And you're calling it good because you were objective because you followed the, well, those laws need to change then. Those policies need to change. Let's continue here. The aversion of justice warrants judgment. Remember, injustice is not only manifested as conscious intent, but also as unintentional neglect. Laws, policies, and procedures that inadvertently produce inequity are also unjust. So you can't just say, well, you know, we did due process of law. If you're not properly stewarding your policies to factor in the human elements involved, especially given our country's history, that's unjust. You're being neglectful. 
of a reality that's right before you. Proverbs 29.7, it says, A righteous man knows the rights of the poor. A wicked man does not understand such knowledge. Don't be dismissive of people who don't have resources. People take advantage of people who don't have resources. That's why people have to speak up for them. In fact, the Bible says that. Proverbs 31, 8 and 9, it's, and also 8 and 9, it says this. Open your mouth for the mute, for the rights of all who are destitute. Open your mouth, judge righteously, defend the rights of the poor and the needy. That's our responsibility. That's not personal anger. That's not being too sensitive. That's not being emotional. That's being righteous. Protests are part of a prophetic tradition that indicts people and institutions for violating God's justice in the public sphere. It's completely appropriate to have a protest. That's essentially what prophets were doing. They would speak out to the people out. They wrote it down, but they would speak out publicly. Proverbs 18, 5, it says, it is not good to be partial to the wicked or to deprive the righteous of justice. That's exactly what happened. That's exactly what's been happening with these court cases, partial to the wicked, because you can do it legally because you did due process of law because you were objective. Yeah, that's the letter of the law. That's not the spirit of the law. Romans 8.36, as it is written for your, oh, here we go, principle number three. Here we go, okay? Be meek as sheep, but bold as lions. This is, the, this is the reality of being a Christian, folks. Meek as sheep, bold as lions. What does it say? Romans 8.36, as it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Why? Because we die daily. We carry our cross daily. We don't live to our own personal passions or agenda or will. If Jesus submitted his will to the Father, so must we. We may feel angry, but we are not, we're not going to do action out of that anger, right? But on the same token, Proverbs 28.1 says the wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. When it comes to calling out evil, we will be as bold as we need to be. We will not apologize for calling wicked things wicked. We will not apologize for defending the rights of the poor. We will not apologize for speaking out against people who are oppressed. That is a godly thing to do, and we will be bold with that. So what does it mean? Speak the truth, but walk in the spirit. Speak the truth, but walk in the spirit. It means challenge injustice, but leave vengeance to God. This vengeance thing is really important. If you look in Deuteronomy 32, 35, it says, this is God speaking. He says, vengeance is mine. It's mine. It's not yours. You know, I, I, I remember, I've shared this story before. I remember there was I was going to the museum with my kids and it was summer or something and, and we were going to have a good time or what have you. So we walk in the, the, the what is it? A Science and Technology Museum back in L.A., not too far from USC. And we're going over there. And uh, so I was like, OK, let's go use the restroom first. So uh, there's a restroom on the first floor, there's a restroom on the third floor. So we go to the restroom, we walk in, I walk in. There's a lady in there, man's restroom with like 20 kids. And she comes up to me. She says, sir, you, you, can't, you can't come in here right now. Yeah, yeah, because I, I like these kids, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm looking at her like, first of all, what are you doing in the men's restroom? Two, uh, I could tell she didn't work here. But she's like, 
I'm walking toward the urinal, and she's like walking toward me. Okay, so, so she's like, sir, you can't come in here. I'm, and I'm getting kind of angry, and I'm thinking to myself, okay, I'm going to go to this urinal. She better not touch me. <laughs> if she touches me, I'm going to let her rip. I'm going to let her rip. A lady, I, I'm not, I just, if she, if she, I can tell, I can tell she was ready to, I mean, she, she, she probably had a left hook, and I'm thinking, I could take her, I could take her, I could take her. I'm thinking, I'm, I, you know, this, this is all going through, and I was angry, because I'm like, you know what, if, if I was in a women's restroom with 20 little girls, and then a woman walks in and says, she got to use the restroom, and I'm pushing her out of the way, those ladies aren't going to wait outside the restroom, you know, patiently. You know, you take your time, take your time. And I, I, I'm thinking through all this, through a split second, and then I'm like, I got my two sons here. There's 20 kids in here. This lady is a little crazy. And if something happens inadvertently, by the time they found out what happened for real, I'm in handcuffs. <laughs> my kids and then child, I child protective services. I mean, I'm hot. So I reluctantly leave the restroom and go to the front desk. You know, I go to the front desk. And I say, and I'm telling them, I say, you know, tell you the whole thing. So, okay, fine, we'll call security. I'm like, ah, security. You know, so I walk back. When I come back, I see like five or six men standing outside just waiting, just frustrated. And I'm like, man up, man. Come on. What are y'all doing? Get this lady out of here. You know, so finally security comes and, you know, they, they, they kick her out. But I felt like she was on her way out anyway. I wanted them to kick kick her out of the, 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 the museum. Like, I don't care about them kids, just y'all. Just, I was angry. I wanted vengeance. I wanted vengeance. How dare she try to push me out of the men's restroom with my kids? I don't want to go to the, th- she told me to go to the third floor restroom. I said, I'm not going to the third floor restroom. But I had to leave it to the Lord. I mean, I was hot. I just, come on, kids, we just gonna, we're going to go to this exhibit. I just got to cool off. I never saw the woman again, but I'm a Christian, and somebody in that scenario needs to be the grown-up. I had to swallow my pride and let God handle her. I don't know what happened later, but I had to let God handle that, because vengeance belongs to the Lord. Let's continue here. So call out wickedness, but have mercy on the wicked. Principle number four, begin with the supernatural. Good and evil are supernatural. Hence, to address either, you must engage with the supernatural, which is invisible. Right? The supernatural is invisible. It talks about that in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 2. I'm not going to read it. But in that passage, it talks about that the things that are made were made from things that weren't visible. So to pursue good is to pursue something invisible and divine. To fight evil is to fight an enemy that is invisible and demonic. We have to remember this. I'm not going to read the whole passage, but many of us know Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 18. It talks about the fact that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and authorities. Evil is supernatural, and people who try to fight it with natural resources will fail. Let's continue here. This is why love and prayer are so powerful. Practicing them is not a cop-out. Rather, love and prayer address problems at the root because the source of all evil is supernatural. I'm going to quote a scripture, and I'm going to have you watch a a, a short video that enunciates, enunciates this point. 
Matthew 5, 44, it says, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Folks, we put Dr. King's uh, name on streets. We celebrate when uh, we have a day off, but we don't actually believe what he preached. This man was, don't forget, a Baptist minister. (laughs) He preached about the love of Christ. Love your enemies and pray for them. Watch this video. Tell you, tell you something. God, God started working and dealing with me in my heart, and I said, "Okay, well, I gotta love these individuals who are trying to do me no good, or slander me, or slander my family, and my wife. I gotta, I gotta love them. Okay, I, you know, I forgive them, Lord, and and I'm gonna repel offenses. And and I see this is an attack. I'm teaching on love and and being offended and not being offended and forgiveness. So this is a test and attack, and I'm gonna pass it. Praise God. You ever had that kind of fervent? Like I'm gonna pass it. I see what the enemy's doing. I'm gonna pass it. And God said. Well, let me show you what you need to do to pass the test. And I said, well, well, I, I think like I'm doing that, like I'm love and I have forgiven this and that. And he said, no, 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 no. Read the scripture. And I read the scripture again. And he said, pray for those who persecute you. And he said, have you prayed for them yet? And I said, man, I haven't. And he said, it's always a continuous walking in love that you're doing in life, but your love assignment is never complete until you have prayed for those who have set you up and are persecuting you. And he said, don't just pray for them, you know, like, okay, you know, a little prayer, Lord, just bless them and help them see the error of the ways, help them stop acting stupid, you know, lead them to church, make sure they make no excuses. They need to get saved. No, no. He said, pray for them like you would pray for your best friend. Come boldly to the throne of grace and intercede for them. Intercede for their families. Intercede for them at the job. Intercede for their safety and the protection of their family. Speak the blessing over them. Call them as I call them. And I said, okay, God, I I get it. So I, I got on my face and I started to intercede for them. And then I got up and I wept. And I said, I get it. This is why Jesus was so compassionate. Because when you pray for people like they mean something to you, it gives you a heart that just wants to love them. That says, I see what they did, but it doesn't matter. Because my love and the love that God has given me in my heart is going to win out. And this cycle stops with me. Because the brokenness and the hurting that they might be feeling... I'm not going to take those seeds, but I'm going to replace those seeds in their heart with love. And I'm going to pray that others replace it with love. And we're going to stop this cycle. And they're going to be healed and set free and delivered and prosperous. They're going to be everything that God has called them to be. This video gets me every single time. But the line that always gets me is this cycle stops with me. We all say, when is this going to end? When, is, when are they going to stop doing this? And when are we going to stop doing this? I can't control everybody else, but I can say this. The cycle is not coming through me. The enemy is not going to have any place to work with me. I, I'm going to be out of the enemy's equation. And so I, I love what he said. You got to pray for your enemies like they mean something to you. And watch how God transforms our hearts, but also the situation. Because Certainly love and prayer should be the first things you do, but sometimes they are the only things you need to do. 
if you love and pray from the beginning. Let's continue with the next principle, principle number five. Don't be afraid. This is a, this is a big one for me because I, I, I'm, I don't like the narrative of fear that is being promoted as we address injustice. Second Timothy 1.7 says, For God, has, God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. You do, you do not need a narrative of fear to validate protest against injustice. You don't need to do that. I don't tell my kids to be afraid of the police. I, I don't go, I don't, when they leave the house, they don't leave the house that much because of the quarantine, but I mean, I'm not, I'm not crying. You know, I, I, I talk to them. I, this is what I do. I say, I, t- I tell them about reality, age-appropriate reality. I tell them to take practical precautions. And then I say, trust God. But walking in fear, that's not from God. We should not be walking around worried that we're going to die. We can say that at the same time as saying it was wrong what happened to George Floyd and we need to make sure that doesn't happen again. We can say that, but also as Christians to say, I'm not going to walk in fear. That is unhealthy. It's unhealthy. I mean, do you do that when you get in the car? Do you know what the statistics are for you dying in the car? Do you cry about that? No, because you choose what, you be afraid, what you're afraid of. You choose what you're going to be anxious about. See, I have some resources for you here under this section, so look for them in your notes. But here's what I want to say in essence. Here's the thing. The spirit of fear takes the emotion of fear and exalts it against the knowledge of God. We all have human emotions, anger, fear, sadness, all that kind of stuff. That's just being human. You know, fear basically in, in, naturally is just the fight or flight syndrome. It's, you know, hormones, and all that kind of stuff, right? But what the spirit of fear does is it takes the emotion and exalts it against the knowledge of God and challenges God's credibility and says, yeah, God is faithful, but he's not going to protect you against the police. Yeah, God is faithful, but you should be afraid. Yeah, God is faithful, but, you know, your child about to leave the house, you should be afraid. That's not godly. That's not from God. That is the devil, and the devil leverages fear. We fight injustice, and we trust God. Let's continue. I'm going to the next principle, principle number six. Seek first righteousness, not rights. Seek first righteousness, not rights. Right. First Corinthians six twelve says this. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. In other words, you can make a law of anything you want. That doesn't mean it's right. We must seek righteousness first. And if God is calling us to be righteous, sometimes that means deferring our rights. I had a right to go to the restroom at the museum. I was in the right. She had no business being in there. I got what she was trying to do. She was trying to like figure out how she had all these fields and the kids in the field trip, all these little boys. I got what she was trying to do. If she had just come to me and said, you know, sir, I, I know this is probably awkward. Would you mind if I, you know, I, I'm, I'm having a hard time today. I, I got to get all these little boys to the restroom. Would you mind? I know it would be troublesome to go upstairs. If she had said that to me, I would have gone upstairs. But it's how she did it. But that's another story. But, but my point is, that in that moment, I had a right to, in my mind, like if, I had, if, 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 if she had pushed me and I resisted her push, I would have been right. 
But I wouldn't have been right because that's not righteousness. That's me seeking vengeance on her. So sometimes we defer our rights. Just because uh, just because you have a right does not mean it should be used. Just because something is legal doesn't mean it is moral, ethical or beneficial. And whether or not you use a right should, should be based on righteousness, not opportunity. And we know what it says in Matthew 6, Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. That should be the first thing we seek, not our rights, even though we have them and we should be able to use them. Principle number seven goes into my next point. The way we respond to evildoers is a judgment call. And this is where we get down to. It's pretty clear what we do to evildoers in terms of responding after the fact. But what if you are actually in a situation where there is a police officer and they are doing something illegal, unethical or immoral? I've been in that situation. What do you do? It's a judgment call. There's there's no standard operating procedure. It's I got to read the situation and I got to listen to the spirit. I got to read the situation and listen to the spirit because there's what outcome do you want? Is safety a priority? Is your ego a priority? Is, you know, in my situation, the cops weren't there, but my kids were present with me. My kids, my reputation. Look, I'm a pastor. There's certain things I just shouldn't be involved in. Maybe I have a right to do it, but I, I, go ahead, you can have it. Here, you take the money. Like, I don't, there's certain things I shouldn't be involved in, right? And so you, 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 you have to just read it. But see, if you're not submitted to God in those moments, you won't be able to hear from the spirit as to what to do in that situation. I've given the story about when I was put in the police car, the, 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 the post office worker called the police on me. The, the police officers came to the post office, pulled the gun on me, had me spread them on the wall, put me in handcuffs and put me in the back of the car. Right. What was I supposed to do? Should I have resisted or said something? Maybe I could have. I think at the moment I was so young and naive. I just assumed they got this wrong and they're going to figure it out. I didn't have I, that, I didn't know that police officers could be disingenuous until then. That's when I found out, oh, this stuff happens for real. In that situation, the way I played it, I was like, OK, I'm in the back of the car. I'm handcuffed. I'm safe. I mean, there's a divider. He can't do nothing to me. The other dude is in there. They're going to look stupid because there's nothing. I, I mean, they don't have anything on me. What they going to do? And they eventually let me go and pay for my posters, et cetera, et cetera. That's how I played that one. OK, but sometimes you've got to speak up. You've seen some of the videos. In fact, there was this one video of a black woman and, and, and the police was trying to come in her house. They said, no, you can't. I know my rights. That's illegal. You don't know. You have not done the proper procedures. And she was telling them everything. She gave them an earful. I'm like, what? These guys have guns. But she knew the law. And they didn't resist because they knew the law, too. It was illegal for them to come into our house. And she, she tore them up verbally. In some instances, that might be unsafe. Discretion, read the situation, listen to the spirit. Read the situation, listen to the spirit. Three things with respect to a judgment call. Three questions to respond to conflict or difficulty. One, should this be done or said? Two, should should I do or say it? Three, should I do or say it right now? How do you know? Read the situation, listen to the spirit. Read it naturally, read it spiritually. I'm going to continue to the next point. You have all kinds of resources under those notes to reflect here. We're going to go to principle number eight. Make your good works visible, and this is where we're going to bring it home. Matthew 5, 13 through 16. It says, you are the salt of the earth, 
But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? You go down to verse uh, you go down to verse 14. It says you are the light of the world. Verse 16, it says, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your father in heaven. Let me tell you this. The church is at, I mean, the, the, the world is asking the church, where are your good works when it counts? They're saying people are dying. They're saying there's injustice and they're saying, where are your good works? Let me tell you something. When they say that, even though you can do good works individually as a Christian, what they really mean is collectively. Collectively. But here's the challenge with that. How do you get the church collectively to respond to injustice when there's so many different political perspectives? Right. If I start a campaign to support the families, to, to support the families of police officers who've died on the job, that's a good thing, but some people would have a problem with that. If I start a campaign to support the families of people who have lost someone who was killed by the police, that's a good thing, but some people would have a problem with that. So, so then how do you move forward collectively because people, different Christians, have different definitions of what's Christian, of what's good, of what's right. Are you supporting this candidate? Are you supporting this cause? And then, and then we have to sit back and say, well, you know, we can't do anything because, you know, if you don't do something for everybody, you can't do something for anybody. And the world's sitting there looking at us, I mean, and they're saying, like, so you can't help us because you're Christian? You can't respond to this because you're a Christian? That doesn't make any sense. So... So, so, so here's, here's, my, here's my invitation to you. We're going to bring it home. We try to make the Christian pulpit a mixed platform that is open to everybody. So they try, we try to make our, our, our sermons and our church relatable to the world. Let me tell you, folks, the church is for Christians. It's for Christians. By that, I mean, I'm not saying that you can't come here. I'm saying you won't fully appreciate what we're doing if you don't believe what we believe. So you can come and if you're curious, you can check us out. But it's not really designed to respond to the beliefs you have. It's designed to respond to the beliefs we have. But check it out. When you do good works, that can be a mixed platform. That could be a platform because we just had a food drive. We didn't ask, are you a Christian? Are you not a Christian? No, anybody who came through could get food. Anybody who came through could be good works, works for everybody. But here's the problem. Like I said, if we all go out there, political badges, Republican, Democrat, all that kind of stuff. So I'm going to take a cue from Dr. King. When Dr. King did his civil rights work, he didn't do it out of Ebenezer Baptist Church. He did it out of the Southern Christian Leadership Conference. He had to create a platform that was designed to respond to Christians and non-Christians. So he was like, if you want to go to church and pray, which we're going to do, if you want to go to church and sing, which we're going to do, if you want to go to church and get the word, go to Ebenezer. But if you want to fight civil rights, Southern Christian Leadership Conference. Everybody who wants to do that, come with me over here. Because some people don't like to mix their peas with their potatoes. 
My son is like, one of my sons is like this. If it touches, he won't eat it. I said, son, it's all going to the same place. I don't care. Don't let my peas touch my potatoes. And some of y'all like that. I, church is church and social justice is social justice. Cool. So now you have an option. For those of you who just want to have church, you can have church. And you go find an organization to shine your light in other ways if you don't like this way. But for people who say, look, I'm watching what I'm seeing. I got to do something. I got to say something. I got to change something. Yeah, I'm praying. Yeah, I'm studying the word. Yeah, 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 I'm doing that. But I got to do more than that. I can't ignore the cry of oppressed black people. I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. So I'm not gonna say everything I was gonna say. I'm gonna just give you this invitation. I created my own platform. I do what I do as a pastor. I'm still a private citizen. Check it out. The church is not a building or, or, an, or an organization. It is people. I'm, it's still church because I'm church. But for those of you who are like, oh, I don't like all this stuff. I, it doesn't fit with my Christianity. I will love you as your pastor. I'm creating a separate platform for people for whom they can't ignore the cry of oppressed black people. And they want to do something Christian, but they want to do something for justice. Here's my invitation to you. Before I do it, this is what I'm going to say. Remember I said there's more than one platform? On this other platform, I'm not your pastor. Don't come to this platform looking for pastoral care. If you want pastoral care, zcf.org. Dear Dr. Dear Dr. Joshua, zcf.org. You can go to Zoe's social media handles, do all that stuff. That's how you get your pastor. If you come to this platform, I'm a businessman, I'm a civil rights leader, and I'm a fundraiser. But that's the platform I have to create to respond to the cry of oppressed black folks. And it's cool if you don't like it. It's fine. Mine is not the only game in town. There's all other kinds of things to do. But shine your light somewhere. Because if somebody says, what is the church doing? You need to have an answer besides, I pray for you, brother. I'll pray for your sister. Sorry for your loss. So ways to engage, invitation only. And you only have the invitation if this works for your convictions. If it doesn't, no harm, no foul. So if you'd like to do this, you go to drjoshuaspeaks.com. Drjoshuaspeaks.com. And there's three things I want you to do when you go there. Follow, like, and subscribe. Like, follow, subscribe. Like, follow, subscribe. For obvious reasons, but also so you can be on call. So when we give the signal, you'll be ready to roll. Like, follow, subscribe. That's the first thing. The second thing is go to thesolomoncenter.org. It's in your notes, too. Thesolomoncenter.org, and I want you to do two things. Peek and pray. That, that website is going to give you a little sense of what I'm doing. And all I want you to do is look at it and then pray about what God's doing there. 
And then if you get the handles, I'll be in contact with you and we'll go from there. Does that work? I know I can't hear you, but I know some of you are saying, yeah. So I'll leave it there. And with that, let's have a word of prayer.